Hi, welcome to Supervision with a Vision. Today, Heather and I are talking about the importance of maintaining trust as a supervisor. This week, we read Voice of Experience, Violations of Trust, published in Counseling Today 2021. Heather, we picked out a couple of different types of trust that are important in a supervision relationship. And the first one that we talked about was fundamental trust. Right. I'm going to really try hard not to jump ahead. But overall, fundamental trust is looking at those things that we come to expect that are human rights. In counseling or supervision, you're going to a place and you're going to be able to say what you need to say. Mm -hmm. So fundamental human rights. Are we talking freedom of choice? Yes. How do you think freedom of choice plays out in a supervision relationship? Well, either one of us at any point in time can decide it's not working. Mm -hmm. It's time to move on, time to find something else. Have you had a lot of situations where either you ended the relationship or the supervisee did? Not because that they'd completed their hours, but it was just... I think it happens from time to time. I haven't had that much experience with it, but I've mm -hmm. had a couple of times where we started into supervision and I went, mm, this isn't working. This is, I'm not the right, mm -hmm. I'm not the right fit for you. And mm -hmm. maybe they couldn't even see it, but. Right. Well, and I, I would imagine the supervisor might know before the supervisee. Right. Just out of experience. You're probably right. I didn't think about it that way before, mm -hmm. but yeah. Was it hard for you to say that or yes. end that relationship? Yes. I don't like that. I don't like to end relationships anyway, but yeah, it wasn't comfortable, but mm -hmm. I could all see very quickly that her style of therapy and what she wanted to accomplish didn't eat, did not fit how I do therapy. And so for me to be able to be a supervisor for that, it was just too far askew from what I was comfortable yeah. with. I think I've had a good amount of supervisees leave my supervision because they got a different job. Oh, that happens. Sometimes they get yeah. jobs and then included in their new job is supervision. Right, on right. Side and or... at that point, you can't blame them. Right. Free supervision mm -hmm. versus paying for it and right. maybe having to go out of their way to see the supervisor or get to see get to their office. Right. I think I always when that's happened, I always make a point of communicating to them that there are no hard feelings. Mm -hmm. I completely understand. And even though we're in a pretty big area, pretty right. big, you know, densely populated metroplex, I always tell them we will run into each other again. We're going to see each other. And I'm happy right. to work with you. And I look forward to mm -hmm. working with each other in a different way in the right. future. So trying to emphasize to them that it is their choice and there's it's not a problem. It's, right. it's good. It's positive that they get to have a choice to change right. when they need to or when they want to. Exactly. What about trying to think of other fundamental human rights? Freedom mm -hmm. of speech? Right. We're going to be able to say what we need to say to each other. It might not always be pretty, mm -hmm. but there that there's an understanding or an expectation that our speech or the, the way we talk to each other, it will, for the most part, be respectful. And that we're allowed to say things that need to be said. Yeah. I th it makes me think recently about just our political climate. Right. That they might want to bring their beliefs or ideas into a session and that's allowed. Mm -hmm. I think I sometimes tell supervisees that if I don't, I want to be intentional about addressing those things. But if I don't address them, it's not because I want to avoid them. Right. And I say that hopefully to impress upon them that they can bring things up. Mm -hmm. I've had actually recently a supervisee dealing with where they stood on sides of things and listening to the part that we were processing in supervision was they had just spent a long time listening to multiple clients in a row talk about political climate and those type things in very opposite way than how they mm, felt. Yeah, so they and definitely need room to process yeah. their piece of it. And that's mm -hmm. where it comes from. I think that's our job as a supervisor is to kind of know those things. You don't have, we didn't have to agree. 
mm-hmm. but that supervisee needed coaching and needed support mm-hmm. in processing it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Heather, the next type of trust that is important and pivotal to supervision is the trust that we build in authority. Right. How do you think that fits into a supervisor, your supervision relationship? Well, you're in the position of authority just because you're a supervisor, just because you did the work to become a supervisor. So does that mean, I think you're saying then that the supervisee comes to you expecting trusting right your experience and so they look to you to know the answer mm-hmm. and if you don't know the answer be able to guide them right or be willing to figure it out mm-hmm. with them help them mm-hmm. figure out a solution yeah i do think I mean, being on the other side would be as the supervisee it would be unnerving if you had a question and they just your supervisor just said i don't know yeah or maybe gave you an answer that you thought I don't know if they just came up with that one on the spot. (laughs) I had that actually happen to me as a supervisee. Mm -hmm. I went in, presented the client that I was really stuck on and was like, hey, I did all these things we talked about for weeks Mm -hmm. before. Mm -hmm. And this is where we still are. I'm just missing something. What am I missing? And their answer was, I don't know. And I was like, punch to the gut. What do you mean you don't know? You're supposed to know. (laughs) Yeah. Well, does that then mean that? we should fake it for our supervisors? I don't know. Maybe some level of, <laughs> I think it could have been wrapped up prettier. Yeah, It could yeah. have been like, I'm not sure. Let's reevaluate these okay. things or yeah. let's look into this. So we don't have to be know-it-alls. We don't right. have to always have the answer, but we should as supervisees and still trust that our experience can be relied on, right. that we ha- we know where to go to find answers if we don't have them. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like it is important to communicate to a supervisee that our experience lends itself towards right. being helpful right. by being a, an actual support. <laughs> right. Yeah. I can't think that I, I, I'm sure it has happened that I think when I was still in school, I had a supervisor that I think I was presenting a client or talking to him about a client. And at the end, he just said, oh, that's why I don't work in agencies anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that. And I went, oh, right. (laughs) Kind of like you, like, oh, now what do I do with that? Yeah. We kind of played around with this idea that both age and gender of a supervisor Mm -hmm. impact the authority that they bring to supervision. Right. I think some people are uncomfortable to say that or talk about that very much. That do you think that with certain types of clients or certain issues, a supervisee might not look to a male supervisor or vice versa, Mm -hmm. a female supervisor for the same kind of guidance that they would the opposite gender. I think think there's plenty of topics that surface in supervision Mm -hmm. that could easily be seen differently by a different, but also experience, right? If you did have, if you had a female topic that you needed to discuss and you're with a female supervisor and you discuss it, that could be good, but that could also be damaging that you didn't have the male perspective. So I think there's like both sides of the coin a little bit, but I Mm -hmm. think the, in talking about building that trust, again, we're making an assumption that this topic in general, Mm -hmm. this gender knows it better. I mean, I think there's some assumptions going on there. Yeah. I, I, that irks me. I have a bias towards that. I know that even when someone's looking for a counselor and they say, well, she'll only talk to. Oh, that drives me crazy. But yes, yes, I know. (laughs) Um, that in some way that a male counselor or a female counselor is the only one that can do the job. Right. When we've been trained to be empathetic and Mm -hmm. compassionate and 
have skills and to work with a lot all of, kinds of right, people. Not just a little bit like, oh, you talked about it one day in a lecture. We've had a lot of training on that. Right. I've seen on boards posted for different things, somebody in search of, and they mm-hmm. want a certain count. I'm like, oh, I do all those things. Oh, I'm not male. I guess it's not me. Right. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I mean, yeah, it just irks me. We could spend a whole nother it's a whole new podcast <laughs> episode on that thinking about, okay, yes, there might actually be someone who prefers a female or a male for a specific reason that. Right. Is important, mm-hmm. but I do th- maybe even more as a supervisor. I think we should be able to put ourselves because we're not the actual one providing right. the service. We should be able to put ourselves in a position where we could provide support and supervision, regardless of our. I agree. Gender. What about age? Do you think that there are young supervisors or older supervisors out there that don't get the same amount of trust based on their authority? Maybe. I was just thinking about that. As you were saying it, I was like, okay, so we talked about age a little bit. Obviously, we wrote it down as a topic. Mm -hmm. So I think some maybe get it because you think, oh, well, they've been in practice for 20 years. Right. Yeah, sure. Kind of value that. Mm -hmm. I think it can go the opposite as well. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. That you have a supervisor who has, like you said, been in practice a while. Right. And what if a supervisee looks at that person and thinks, I don't think we can relate to each other. Right. Like you, we didn't learn it the same way or we don't mm-hmm. know it mm-hmm. the same mm-hmm. way. Or vice, do you think that they're vice versa, the opposite? Do you think that there are supervisors out there who either are young or look young enough that someone might say, I don't think you can be my supervisor? Yes. Yeah. I have a colleague that's happened to. She was too or appeared too young. Uh-huh. She looks very young, uh-huh. but she appeared too young and they just were not interested mm-hmm. once they met face to face. Huh. I can't. Maybe. What if you I, maybe you have a student or someone who's just out of school who this is like their second career right. or something like right. that. So they are maybe older than the supervisor, mm-hmm. that that might be something hard that, that trust related to authority based on age might be something hard to establish. Right. We talked about licensure. Do you think mm-hmm. that that matters to supervisees if they look at your credentials and see what license or credentials you hold? Or I think it does. I think mm-hmm. it says something. I think it also speaks volumes for how people, like, as a whole, we get trusted because mm-hmm. you're a play therapist. And mm-hmm. so people mm-hmm. look to you for, like, okay, you're a play therapist, but what does that mean? And mm-hmm. they, there, mm-hmm. there is something associated as a supervisee looking for somebody. Like, okay, so... Maybe they don't want to pursue that, or maybe they do, but it, it holds you to a standard of, you should know some things about play therapy. You yeah. Should, it's yeah. assumed that you so, would know right? some things. So when they do choose me for supervision, they expect that we're going to be able to go deeper into right. details about, about play therapy supervision. I'm thinking that this happened to me, I don't know, a year ago, where someone met with me and was looking for a supervisor And ultimately, they decided to work with a different supervisor. And they emailed me and said, thank you for your time. And I've decided to work with this supervisor because I'm being facetious. They've got a credential in underwater basket weaving counseling with dogs. Right. Or something just so. Right. And I went, (laughs) who's doing that? And why are you marketing that? (laughs) What kind of goofy credential is that? And that's so I felt that impact the other way around. I kind of went like, ah, what kind of goofy experiences that they would prefer to do underwater basket weaving counseling with dogs Mm -hmm. that they chose that and not the things that I have experience in. So I think that there's a potential for both ways. Yeah. Yeah. For, for that you're chosen as a supervisor based on your experience. And sometimes that you're not chosen based based on on your experience. 
Heather, what about the importance of maintaining trust related to attending to clients or supervisees' physical needs? Right. Can you think of examples of that? I think like knowing what the expected when you come into a building, Mm -hmm. like what what needs do you have? Are you in a wheelchair? Is the room too hot? Is the room too cold? I mean, I think we attend to those kind of things with clients and supervisees the same way. Mm -hmm. But I think there's like an expectation also that's built into the trust of like you're going into an office building. You're not going to be sitting in a cardboard box. You're going to be sitting Mm. on a couch or chair. Mm -hmm. You're going to be having a conversation in a private room. I think Mm -hmm. this kind of goes to some of that. Like, Oh, you know, that makes me think of, as you're saying that, two different ideas came to mind that within the treatment of eating disorder, it's important to have furniture that accommodates all different types of body sizes. Right. And it's comfortable for all different body sizes. So, and that is something that, isn't fundamental necessarily, but it does definitely build trust that if you come into a space and you realize this space was meant for me because physically I feel okay here, I'm comfortable here. I think that's important. It also makes me think about in play therapy, there's a lot of discussion of this because kids are kids and they touch and they get close. And how do you protect and maintain physical safety and trust if you have a kid who's climbing on you leaning on right. you wants to be right on your lap or on right. your knee or, mm-hmm. yeah. actually I can think of a good friend a male counselor who does play therapy and in training almost immediately probably the very first play therapy session that he attempted the kid wanted to come and sit on his lap <laughs> and then he went oh I think this is against the rules oh no 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 I gotta do yeah. something this this seems like the thing that I'm not supposed to do right now and navigating that and not and I think this bleeds into emotional safety navigating the physical safety and knowing how to respond when the situation gets tricky but I think about physical safety that in my office I have furniture that's kid-sized right I have a water fountain in the office and it's just a little bit too tall Mm -hmm. for some kids and because of that I have cups And so they can go to the water fountain and fill Mm -hmm. up their cup and still get a drink of water. Right. So it's meeting their physical needs and they can trust that when they're there. Right. What they'll need, they can be provided with or that things are safe. So, oh, I do that, too. I tell kids in my office looks nice, but there is not a thing in there that could be broken and then hurt a child. Mm -hmm. Or if they did break it on accident and they wouldn't get hurt, but I wouldn't care. Right. It's not like you can't replace it. Right. It's not so if some... there's some decoration mm-hmm. or some toy, if it gets broken, it's broken. No big deal. Right. So I think in play therapy, that's part of the it's physical huge. safety. Right. Mm-hmm. I think also in regards to physical safety, just the expectation that you're going into a building and that you're safe mm-hmm. and that you're okay with things. And this maybe trickles over a little bit into emotional, which we'll get to in a minute. But I had a supervisee, maybe one of my very first ones. And at my old office, the whole corner of where we would sit was window like a three kind of a u-shaped three Mm -hmm. windows Mm -hmm. and i learned very quickly that she was very afraid of storms she had experienced a really bad uh, Mm -hmm. tornado early in life and Mm -hmm. like storms scared her like desperately so Mm -hmm. and as we're sitting there trying to have yeah she's panicking she's panicking and i can kind of see that she's worried about it and she kind of kept checking her phone to where it was and you know i kind of like softly redirected a few times and i was like wait a minute yeah, we can't ignore bigger, this. Right, this right. is huge. Our, the windows are shaking. It is loud. We yeah. had to raise our voices to talk over the storm. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, it was a big storm. Mm-hmm. But I think that's one of those things where it's like there is an assumed physical safety of being you're in someone else's space, but you may not feel safe at the mm-hmm. moment. And so mm-hmm. that kind of overlaps with some emotional response to also a physical need of like, these are very tall windows with 
Mm-hmm. Tornadoes coming through the town. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's go move on to emotional safety. So what steps do you take or what's the importance of providing emotional safety in supervision? I think the first one I think of is confidentiality. Mm-hmm. It needs to be a space where you can come in and go, I might have messed up here. I yeah. need help. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that's more or less vulnerable than what clients bring? I don't know. I think that kind of is situational. Yeah. I think it could be either way. Mm-hmm. Because I think sometimes, I mean, I've had some clients with some pretty big issues. Yeah. But I think it might be even more vulnerable for someone who's supposed to be the authority. The authority. Or the right. They're supposed to be the yeah. expert and they're coming to you and saying, yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm stuck. Yeah. So I think, I don't know. I asked you that question, but it's a, right. it's I don't a know the answer. <laughs> um, I think we kind of expect or hope that supervisees have done a little more work. They're right. more prepared, maybe. Right. But I also think that. When you come to supervision, you're both bringing some of your own emotional interactions with people, clients, mm-hmm. but you're also discussing work, which right. feels Different. important and personal right. and pivotal, like right. really important that if this isn't going well, what does it mean? Right. Or I think all the times I all the time I appreciate that supervisees have put are already put in time, energy, a lot of money to get to the point where they're in front of us for supervision. Right. So to get it right, to be good at this thing important. is right. really important. Right. Well, I think sometimes as they're unpacking that, right, as they're coming and they're, they're realizing like, okay, I, I have this need to get it right or I, I'm not sure what I'm doing next. Mm-hmm. Like being able to respond to that is also the other side of that emotional safety. Like for us to be able to respond to that of like, okay, one vulnerable that you could even bring it up mm-hmm. and admit it. But then two of like, what's their experience with, eating disorders what's their experience mm-hmm. oh. with cutting behavior yeah. and be able to hold that it's kind of a holding space uh-huh yeah i don't know i think this fits with what you're just saying about uh, providing a holding space having compassion for them patience right. and compassion that that supervisees are learning that they certainly can't be experts yet yeah some of this is going to be really tar- hard and painful for them even as right. they're figuring it out right what about confidentiality respect compassion towards the supervisor Mm. is that important or does it i think it's important but i never thought about it till you said it that way Mm -hmm. i think it's important i think it i think actually now that you say it with a supervisee that i discontinued being a supervisor for the lack of respect was so in Mm -hmm. your face and shocking i think one when i identified that that's what it was for me i was like oh well, if I'm not respected, then this isn't going to, yeah. I'm not going to be able to provide this kind of service. So mm-hmm. let's go ahead and end it. Mm-hmm. But I think like, yeah, there is an expectation, right? That your yeah. supervisee comes in with a certain level of compassion for the work that we do, respect for your authority or your um, insights on something. Mm-hmm. So I think it kind of all ties together. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I w- maybe, I don't know what we would have said differently, but if we had started from the beginning and talked about the way that a supervisor needs these things as well as a supervisee. But I think that to me, that's kind of fundamental to what trust is that it's right. It's back mm-hmm. and forth. Mm-hmm. So if we're giving re- tr- building trust related to confidentiality, respect, compassion, patience, that we would get that as well as give it. Right. Mm-hmm. And that if we're, if both sides aren't doing that, it's really not, no. we will not have built trust. Well, and then it almost become, there's no purpose. Like it kind of, it changes the whole dynamic, just Mm -hmm. looking at trust. Yeah. I wonder maybe again, another, maybe a discussion (laughs) for another time, how hard supervisors find it to expect 
oh. this oh, yeah. from supervisees. Mm-hmm. And all four of the things that we talked about, fundamental trust, author- uh, trusting authority, physical trust, emotional trust, that all of those things are important. It's a give and take. It's right. back and forth. And that in some situations, supervisors do need to ask for it in return. Right. That should be an expected mm-hmm. kind of. Because it's a relationship. Right. More things to think about on another day. (laughs) Okay. Well, thanks today for listening to Supervision with a Vision.